Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Last week in Philadelphia, and he said he would come on the show. So this is me laying some bait to make sure that that mm-hmm. happens because you know you want to, JT. Anyway, I'm Jimmy Trashcan, Cream Cheese, Conrad Dino, alongside Hollywood Heath Pierce and Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies, and we're going to talk about whether there should be some accountability at U.S. Soccer for this Reina Burhalter fiasco. What we know about the upcoming January camp, the roster still hasn't yet to be announced. Uh, we're going to talk about the Seattle Sounders playing in the upcoming Club World Cup. They still have to beat either Ali or Auckland to have a chance to play against Real Madrid in the semifinals. And of course, we're going to dive into how Americans did abroad this weekend. But first, I missed you both in Philadelphia. I saw Jada mm-hmm. Merritt. I saw Nick Ramondo. I saw all these, Paul Caligiri, former guest on the show. But I did not see Hollywood Heath Pierce or Charlie Chuck Wacken Davies. Heath, where were you? Why weren't you there? Uh, I was home. Instead of being there, I was home. Uh, and some people, instead of being home, were there. And that's just sort of how it, how it broke down uh, for, for that. No, I, I had originally planned to go, but uh, just timing didn't work out. But I, for sure. I, 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 it, I it was it. good to see all the, uh, all the familiar faces and then, you know, in the day and then all the same familiar faces at night, uh, enjoying catching up with each other after, uh, you know, a lot of people hadn't been to this again since the start of the pandemic. Yeah, it's pretty cool to be there because you're just surrounded by so many like-minded people that want to grow the game, that want to learn more and all that good stuff. Fun fact, the next coaching convention, so Heath, you can't miss it, is in Anaheim next January. So looking forward to that. Charlie, where were you? Where were you, Charlie? Where were you? Uh, A couple of things. One, uh, family. It's family time. Yeah, okay. Two, there was a historic moment in Boston. uh, That's right. The Martin Luther King uh, embrace can't miss that. Can't him miss and Credit Scott King. So I, I had to be there, and uh, it was it was emotional. So I'm I'm happy I got to witness that and and be a part of the conversation leading up to uh, the memorial unveiling. So that is that is my excuse. But I want to know more about these conversations you had in Philadelphia. What what were they? Well, there were some good mostly ones. centered around. Yeah, well, first and foremost, I want to give a shout out that to everyone that came up and said hi and that they listened to the podcast. You know, I tried to potentially lead some of them into like, well, who do you like better? Me, Heath, or Charlie? They all <laughs> pleaded the fifth ultimately and said they like nice. us equally. I like that. Uh, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. sure. I wanted I wanted to hear. But I was the only one there. So, you know, there can probably be some bias. But they uh, they played it straight. So shout out to everybody that I said hi to. Thank you so much for the support. Every now, every former coach we ever had, Jimmy, I've asked that. And they've all said the same thing about the three of us, which is crazy. Just I, I, I like <laughs> I loved you all the same, you know. I had no yeah, favorites. Yeah, uh, that's true. Crazy. I don't believe you, but I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> so there was some conversations uh, being had, and I'm glad you brought this up, Chuck. And, and there was an interesting interview where 
where JT Batts and the new CEO and Cindy Cohn, who's the president of U.S. Soccer, both sat down and did a little Q&A. And it was interesting to, to hear some of their thoughts and, and how revealing they were. And actually, there was some good questions from Soccer America's Mike Watala. And he asked, you know, when Brian McBride was hired, Ernie Stewart said Brian would take the lead on hiring and firing coaches. Mm-hmm. Is that still the situation? And JT said, as part of our review, we're looking at how we're organized broadly. So we want to make sure, as I was trying to mention earlier, that this isn't just about who is the men's national team coach. It's how we're organized, what we're doing. Soccer America followed up. So has it changed? JT says, well, we haven't formally. Soccer America says it was reported when he was hired that Brian McBride's contract would run through the World Cup in Qatar. JT says he's still currently employed. Uh, Soccer America says, do we know when his contract is up? JT says, we haven't made any long-term decisions. And finally, Soccer America says, so as far as who's responsible for leading on the hiring of the coach, it's not Brian. You're reviewing everything? And JT said, yes. And also for good governance, any contract of that scale ultimately has to be approved by the board. That's multiple millions of dollars. It is. I, I think what's interesting here, though, is that he doesn't answer the question directly. He doesn't he answer does, any of them. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't, which means he's doing great as CEO of already. He's mm-hmm. already learning how to tap dance uh, very correctly. As long as he had his fingers like this, you know, just like slowly, like, you know, kind of like, uh, just, you know, very political like of like, uh, just give a few word answer. Yeah. Charlie's got the, you know, the, but, the holding the penny on your thumb and your pointer finger. Uh, so, so what, so no. I guess I want to talk about the accountability. Do you think somebody should be held accountable for this fiasco between Rain and Burhalter? Cause that's not coming out of nowhere. I think that there was, if those guys, especially cause they got calls from Claudio, cause Claudio's already mentioned mm-hmm. that he confided in Ernie Stewart and Brian McBride about this situation. I heard which, which which makes sense because I would expect that I would expect that, but I would also expect it to end there to say, thank you for calling because we respect you. We're former teammates. I understand your son is super talented and promising and you want him to play, but we are not the coaches. We don't make those decisions. We Mm -hmm. hire coaches. We fire coaches. We maybe have a strategy, overall strategy, but when it comes to managing the team, the coach has it, and that's it, yeah. and it's done. Sorry, nothing's <clears throat> happening. That's the way the coach sees it, and it's over. And no, there, there's no pointing fingers. No one's to blame. Claudio can voice his opinion. He can he can confide in his friends. Great, but that's on a friend to friend kind yeah. of relationship. That's it, right? So yeah. no one's to blame for what's going down except for Claudio Reyna and his wife Danielle. And Greg Berhalter, because he's the one who talked about Geo and, and him being the, the the person who was causing kind of unrest within the squad. What I, what I would say, Jimmy, is, is and I spend 90% of my day in a business environment, as you could tell by my outfit. Um, <laughs> and I will say that there are times that you blur, the, the lines get blurred between a private conversation and a conversation that's like, hey, if you keep going down this route, like I have to take, and I'm not talking about sharing like frustrations with the son not playing. That's like, okay, I get it. You know, like I, as a parent, I get it as a former player. I get it. Uh, you as a parent, I understand that. Right. But when we got into the wider scheme of what's being shared and who did what with what information, you start to get into this gray area where it's like almost like the, you know, uh, world of like, a, I, I don't want to go down that road, actually. I, I won't use those examples. But like you're, you're going into this, you're going down this, this, this sort of rabbit hole of like, the more you say, the more you're pushing me into a period of a person with my job where you're entering into something that's a little bit uh, either inappropriate. I don't know what was said or what that conversation was. But you're entering into a world where you're like, now you're putting my job at risk by sharing information with me or saying things that is now partially my role to either share or pass on this information, right? And I'm not saying I wasn't there for the conversation, so I don't know what it was exact, what exactly was said. But it is the responsibility of anybody receiving that information to stop at a certain point and say, "Hey, we are friends. I appreciate this information, but some of this stuff, like, I can, you either have to be willing to understand that I've got to share this information, or I've got to pass this on because you're now putting me in a really tough spot as a friend and as a peer." So I guess there's there's two prongs to this. One. To your point, Heath, and Charlie, I'll come back to you on this, and, and I definitely want to hear from everybody that's listening, whether you're listening on your favorite podcast platform of choice or here on YouTube. Hit us up at ISWT Pod on Twitter. Give us your <laughs> your 260-character, 280-character thoughts on this. You can tag it a little bit more if you have more to say. 
definitely curious about that. Leave it in the comments right now. We can maybe get to some live ones. But there's two prongs to this. One is if Brian and Ernie Stewart got this information, do you feel like that they need to report it to the people that are above them? That, hey, there's something brewing here. I think you should be aware of it. Or because, to his point, they're friends, that, that it just stays with them. And also, hey, Greg's mm -hmm. the coach. We're not the coach. It's just going to stop here. I don't need to feel compelled to do that. That's one. The second thing is, do you feel like U.S. soccer is feeling some pressure to name a fall guy in this situation? Because I wonder if something is going to happen or if heads are going to roll or because Brian McBride's contract is up, because he, as, as Mike Wojtyla said correctly, when Brian was hired, his job, his main job was to hire and fire coaches. And but it said it was reported that his contract was through. And then the response was that he's still currently employed. So, like, I don't know if his contract is actually up. Is, is that confirmed? I don't, I, I don't know yeah. either. Yeah. I, I, that's, I'm, just, I'm just going yeah. off of what yeah. proper journalists are doing and us commenting on what proper journalists are doing. But mm -hmm. there's two prongs there. And I wonder if U.S. soccer feels like there should be a head that needs to roll because this is just unacceptable that this happens and it, and it feels like it comes out of nowhere when there was clearly people that knew. And, and, and there was some speculation that maybe Ernie had done that and Brian hadn't, and that was going to give them cause to let him go. That's, that's this, the kind of the, the, what was being gossiped about, I would yeah. say at the coach's yeah. convention. I can't confirm any of that, but I just, right. I just want to say that that I I'm just curious because there are two different things here and let's get into what we do know is that those guys did know, Mm -hmm. And do you feel like they should report above them, Charlie, yeah. when they get this type of information? I, I think you have to. Just legally, if you're in a position where I think Ernie Stewart and, and Brian McBride are working for the Federation, legally, I think they have to report something like that. You can't just say, oh, we're friends. I'm going to take off my U.S. soccer hat. It, it doesn't work like mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. you, I think you have to report it, one. And, and two – you know, the questions that follow are, why now? You, If you knew this all this time, why would you be reporting it now? I think that comes back to, oh, you're throwing anything you can to make Greg uh, suffer for not playing your son, right? And, and that's unfortunate that that's what it came down to because obviously this was an unknown thing. This was a known thing and they dealt with it. They rectified it. A lot of things I think took place for the, for them to move on, but they did. And they have a beautiful family. They're happy. And, and then this has to kind of reemerge. So it's unfortunate that now it's in the public light, but that's what happened. And I think who, I, I don't necessarily think you could point at Ernie or Brian and say, uh, you're the fall guy for all this. Mm -hmm. Like it comes down to Claudio. It comes down to Greg. That's it. No one else. Well, I, I, I will say that I do. I don't think they're looking for a fall guy, Jimmy. I could be wrong, but I, I don't think they are. I think there will be consequences of one, what took place, how it was handled, how it was mm -hmm. structured. It, it, this is a this is a, a a scandal, right? It's like a it's it's a lot of things that are happening that it's going to come down to what was said, when was said, how it was shared, who shared it, who reported it, how it was reported. All these things are going to have a timeline of events. That, that clarify, was there wrongdoing in the workplace? Was there misreporting? Could this have been avoided? Could this have been, you know, changed? Did you, like, where did the where does the buck stop? And I think that's not necessarily a fall guy as much as there's going to have to be uh, responsibility and accountability placed on, on this situation. Again, sharing individual information about uh, frustrations of, of, of a child between people, friends, peers, whatever, not a problem. But I wasn't there for what was said. I couldn't tell you if Claudio or 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 anybody that was having these conversations crossed the line of what they said or there was an attack or there was a threat or there was any of these things, right? We weren't there for any of that conversation. I'm just saying there's a line there and if that line was crossed, there's an obligation to to share that information. We know a, a line was eventually crossed um uh I uh, by by Claudio's wife, but where those lines were crossed in those conversations is where it has to be kind of pushed up. And if that wasn't, then there needs to be some sort of accountability 
or responsibility taken for 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 those sort of missteps in the process just like just like anything right you you jimmy doesn't track his man into the box the guy scores you you can't just go like well I, well i blame well, whoever did <laughs> pressure on the ball I say, yeah exactly exactly i mean what's my know? fault there's no pressure on the ball what charlie, do you want to do? if charlie would just hold the ball up top we wouldn't lose the ball and have <laughs> exactly. to not play defense i'm gonna blame charlie yeah, i went through that period so i had to work on that hold up play <laughs> <laughs> so 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 just to put this uh to bed for now and if anything obviously gets revealed uh, as it moves along we'll, we'll obviously talk about it in future podcasts there was a good comment from michael who essentially said that they should be looking at all the relationships, including ones that are personal. And if they can get away, if U.S. soccer, speaking as they, if they can get away from maybe those issues because there's a long history between Brian and Claudio and Ernie and Greg, can we maybe get away from that a little bit? Then, and that, those guys in those roles, maybe we wouldn't have had this situation or maybe it would have been handled in a different way. And I get back and I'll put this here. JT, just to get back to his original comment, as part of our review of the whole program, we're looking at how we're organized broadly. So we want to make sure that, and we're not just talking about the men's national team coaches, JT's words, it's how we're organized and what we're doing. And I think that in that lens or through that lens and through that perspective from JT, it feels like the heads could roll just because they're trying to look at everything. And maybe these close relationships between parents and Brian McBride, you know, the Reynas and the Burhalters, it's just too close. And there's just too much gray area to your point, Heath Pierce. Mm -hmm. So very curious to see how this is going to play out moving forward. This is a scandal and our first uh, legitimate one, I would say, on the men's side in quite some time back in 98, I think would be our, our maybe our biggest between Harks and Winald. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, January camp. Because we have two games coming up, Serbia and Colombia, but we still haven't named our roster for interim manager Anthony Hudson, who was an assistant to Greg throughout the World Cup. We do know, though, one name, apparently, Julian Gressel, is going to be called in. 29-year-old, who German-American, got a citizenship back in November. Very good on the right side. So many, I think he had 13 assists a couple of years ago for Atlanta United. Just very good, very experienced up and down. He plays for Vancouver. Now he was at Atlanta, then DC, and then now he's at Vancouver. I don't know why people continue to get rid of him and have him move on. I think he's a tremendous player. But we have a lot of cover in that area, Heath Pierce. Or Is actually, he able to get his citizenship while living in Canada? That's a good. I don't know. I don't know. He's got it though. Uh, sorry, that's a distraction. That's a distraction of a of a comment. But yeah. Anyways, that, <laughs> no, I mean, I say that jokingly because you know, there's a lot of players that have come from abroad and come. And they get traded from a Canadian team to a U.S. team, and their like families are stuck in those places till they can sort out like the green, not green cards, but like just residency visa issues and things like that. And that can be a. You know, I know a lot of people that have come to the U.S. and try to get their green cards or citizenship, and they can't leave for certain windows during certain times and things like that. Um, including Stefan Fry, that was that was one that that he had experienced as well. Um, but I'm really excited. I'm really excited about just another. He's he's been a a, a long time high performer in Major League Soccer, and so um, somebody that I think is probably past what I'm super excited about. But but uh, for January camp to just see how he can compete at that level, sure, why not? Charlie, I want to talk to you about what your expectations are for this camp. Obviously, from the coaching staff, they're interim. So it's it's really hard to to know. It's going to be littered with domestic players based here in MLS, most likely, unless there's a player that maybe isn't playing a lot for their respective club team somewhere else, and maybe can get called in and get a little bit of that uh, seasoning, let's say, in this, mm -hmm. this rare opportunity to have a January camp. What are your expectations? I, I, I think, I mean, uh, by the way, I think he would have been the sixth right back at the World Cup if he had gotten <laughs> yeah. beforehand. I'm surprised uh, we didn't take him already, to be honest. Probably he was eighth, available. But <laughs> probably eighth, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, one – this is obviously just a, a call up for someone who's contributed to the league has, has been, you know, someone who I think if he was 23, 24, you could be really excited about the, the prospect, but he'll be 33 for the next world cup. So it does nothing for me except, uh, you know, a congratulations that you got a call up because, you know, you, there, there are a number of players who get a call up for January, January camp and that's their peak, right? That's, that's it. So uh, for him, He's been a tremendous professional. He's been in Major League Soccer for, for a long time, and he's done well. Uh, I think particularly he peaked with Atlanta United. But um, con congrats to him for getting a call because we all know how, how what a feeling it is and an accomplishment. So I'm happy for him. 
But in terms of the national team, that does nothing uh, for for the national team moving forward. And then in terms of this this camp, uh, ultimately you don't have a coach because you don't know what the future looks like. And I I'm still hopeful that we pull in a European manager who has had success in the past, whether you know it's on the Champions League level, you know, a top five. Uh, European league uh, level or uh, national team level, but someone who's going to come in and demand respect uh, who can coach this group and get the most out of them. Because I think that's what this group needs. At this the game's moment. in nine days. It's in nine. The first game's in nine days. This well, how do we is not like, have we're a starting to see the, I'm understand. starting to lose the value of, of this whole thing. Right? Like, yeah. Like the, they're not what? even in camp. They're not even in I, camp, right? They haven't even named no. a roster, dude. Like no. what? So yeah, What's like even happening? the whole point of January camp for those who who don't know is you come in in the first week of January, that at the a couple weeks of, at the end of the January, and you say, okay, a lot of these guys have somewhat been been working out and have a, a form of fitness, but still a ways off, and definitely sharpness is gone. Because you're not going to get a real sharpness unless you're playing games and, and you're playing competitive uh, uh, ma- short short matches. So you need you need at least two weeks of a camp like this where we're doing, you know, uh, the beat test. We're doing these full on matches. You're playing. You have double sessions every day. It's hardcore, and then you get to the end and you play a match because you finally built yourself up to play a match. To play, you're not even getting a, a full week yet. Well, they're in preseason now. Right, and now uh, they're getting there. There, there are some players who aren't even in preseason yet, yeah. who haven't even, or who are still uh, on vacation. I know that for a fact. So, even if there are in preseason, it's you know it's the early. You're you're doing some jog jogging, you know, maybe some some ball work, but you're not playing competitively yet. So I think this is going to be a camp that really doesn't hold much merit, to be honest. Unfortunately, Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, because I think there's some value in having these, but it feels like we're losing out on that value to both of your yeah. guys' points. Uh, th- there's a couple questions here. One's from Dell, who says, what kind of players are these teams bringing to play us? Well, when I look at the Serbia roster, I haven't seen the Colombian one, but but the Serbian <laughs> roster has three MLS players. Uh, Dejan Jovalic, who plays for the LA Galaxy. Oh, he- George Petrovic. Petrovic, who plays the for the Revolution. When we have uh, Ranko Vasilinovic, who plays for Vancouver. And all those guys have plenty of experience. Petrovic has been very good filling in for Matt Turner. He was up for MLS Goalkeeper of the Year last year as a finalist. Uh, Jovalic wanted more minutes, produced at a pretty high level. I think he scored more goals off the bench than any other player, definitely last year. But I think it was a Galaxy record. It could even be an MLS record. He had 11 goals coming off the bench. He's going to be a handful for whoever comes in, and you want to have a little bit of time. And the rest of the players are, <laughs> are domestic players from from Serbia. Hey, Gordo in the YouTube comments, camp crumb cake. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to look at this particular one because there's no lead up time. The coaching staff is still interim, and obviously we'll have more to talk about once everything drops. But just uh, be prepared for a heavy domestic uh, group of players, and I'm curious to see how. Anthony Hudson, the coach, can get everybody together. Now, back in 2007, I don't know if you guys were in that January camp for 2007, but Bob Bradley was interim during that camp and and through the Mexico game in February. I had a game I, in that camp. I played against the U.S. team in that camp. I was I was in preseason with my, oh, that's my right. team, Swedish team. That's right. We played yeah. against Hammerby. I scored in that game. <laughs> yeah. It was no, a 1-0. Did. I scored no, uh, no, uh, no, I did. Uh, I did. Off the free camp. <laughs> No, Show yeah, us the yeah. goal, Jimmy. Show us the goal. Roll the clip. <laughs> no, no. Here's what happened. It was a free kick off to the side, <laughs> and I headed it in, and Taylor Twelman tried to claim it as his because we were right next to each other. No, I'm the like, flag was up, though. Yeah, no no chance. We won one zero. Get out of here, I remember, I remember playing him after that. I, I remember. I remember scoring, <laughs> and I remember being so excited because I scored the winner, and I was – or maybe it was in 2007. Maybe that was 2005. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, two thousand. Yeah, no, been, I think nineteen eighty-six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was me. I think I think Paul Caligiri whipped it in for me, and because uh, yeah. they they had just they had just released the Walkman, and I remember Jimmy was really excited about the Walkman coming out. And like, okay, uh, I don't know. I walked myself into into was down at Sam Goody looking at CDs, and uh, <laughs> I went to the warehouse. Okay, I went to the warehouse. All right, so. Moving off from the January camp, obviously we'll have more info as it moves along. But let's talk about the FIFA Club World Cup because the Seattle Sounders 
are going to be facing either Al Ali or Auckland City. And if they win that, they'll meet Real Madrid in the semifinal. So I don't expect any Sounders players to be called into this January camp. Heath, this is a pretty big deal. This is what we wanted, an MLS team in the Club World Cup, and now it's finally here. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I just want uh, a good good performances. Like, for me, just don't get embarrassed. That's the Club World Cup for me is, like, go there and don't do anything that sets us Sounds back. Sounds like the don't World get, Cup, too, right? Don't get, yeah. Don't get... Thir- don't you get think we're going to get embarrassed by... By any of those teams? I mean, Ali? Real Madrid. They're, they're good. Real Madrid. I mean, no, I mean, I, not going to get have it, have it, No, no, no. When do they start? I mean, when do the Sounders go in to start training for this? It kind of sucks for our calendar from an yeah. MLS perspective. Well, this has always been this has always been the Concacaf Champions League argument, right? Of coming into a season where it's like if you can get into that run and get into final part of the uh, final part of the playoffs because your first games coming out of the group stages, the way the Concacaf Champions League worked was always that your first games. After a shortened preseason, we're in a game of of consequence, um, and so we and we've seen we've seen that have an effect on on teams. Just naturally, you can't just not you're not in midseason form. But against Real Madrid, who knows? It, it just depends who. Um, but I, I mean, I, I I think that they can sh- show well. I don't think the Sounders showed particularly well after their Champions League run last season, but they've got quality players, World Cup veterans now. Hey, that's probably. that's you you broke that down nice. I like that. I get- <laughs> So, um, you're spot on, spot on. That's it. That's all. Charlie's added to the conversation. No, I was I was impressed with with Heath's breakdown there. Okay, I'll just give love. Dozens of people are saying that right now uh, in the comments. They're just really impressed by just wow. What, whatever Heath says, <laughs> who, who, who who says he goes and works in the corporate environment for ninety percent of his day, but looks like he's just at the skateboarding park. Oh well, yeah, Tony, with, I, you and Tony Hawk. He was, he was at, he, no, he just got back from Big Bear. I have a, I literally have a tie under this under this sweatshirt. <laughs> you know. Oh my God. All right, listen, we're going to take our first and only break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we're going to talk about Americans abroad and, of course, this new transfer that Chelsea made that is going to impact our very own Christian Pulisic. Don't go anywhere. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to In Soccer. We trust as a reminder, we have to let you know to not miss out on any of the Serie A action. Make sure you follow some of the biggest stars in the sport, like Olivier Giroud, super handsome, Rafael Leao, absolute stud, and Lataro Martinez, who scored for Inter Milan this past weekend as they try to lead their teams to the Scudetto, which is given to the champions, the trophy of the Italian league. How will the table change going forward? Which club has the best chance of winning it all? Which clubs have the most to lose? Find all the answers and stream every match from Italy's top soccer league live only on Paramount+. Plus. Try one month free with promo code Serie A. That's S-E-R-I-E-A because they pronounce their A as A. And uh, fantastic league. It's probably the most competitive with Napoli Absolutely smashing Juventus five to one. They're clearly on top of the table and in control. Very similar to Arsenal, who took it to Tottenham this past weekend. And uh, yeah, lots to talk about. Very curious to see how both of these clubs do in the stretch run. Napoli is known for falling apart. We'll see if they can keep it together. Arsenal, do they have the grit to make that happen? We probably should go over to the House of Champions to talk about that. But very curious, of course, we're watching that. Let's talk Americans abroad, boys. And uh, let's talk about Chelsea who have the craziest ass transfer policy of all time under their new American ownership. But this, if, if, if another team is interested in you, they're going to go pay way over that 
just like they did with Mikhail Mudrick from Welcome to the free market, Jimmy. Welcome okay, to the free whatever, market. Okay, whatever, man. It's crazy. They gave him an eight and a half year contract, which I think helps him get around financial fair play. Uh Arsenal was in for a $70 million bid. Chelsea comes in and goes, I'm going to go for $100 million. And listen, Mudrick's a good player, but he's only has six Champions League games to his name, playing for Shakhtar Donetsk. We could argue that if all the Brazilians didn't leave Ukraine and Donetsk, that I don't even know if Mudrick would even be playing, which is another conversation there. But he's been doing well. I don't want to take anything away from him. Three goals, two assists, and his six games in the Champions League. He's got six goals and five assists in the Ukrainian League this year. I mean, he's a good player. I think they overpaid for him. Another no conversation. Doubt. No but, doubt but, but what does this mean for Pulisic? I just, I just, it's just one other player that, I mean, it's not isolated to him. What does it mean for Hakeem Ziyech? And what does it mean for Mason Mount? I mean, it's going to impact every Raheem Sterling and all the guys that they have in these particular positions. I don't think it actually helps them get better. They just kind of took a player away from Arsenal. Uh, Charlie, I'll come to you first. What, do, what are your thoughts on this and what it means for Christian? <clears throat> I One, I think they overpaid for Mudric and, He's he's an incredible player, a young player, but not worth a hundred million dollars. Yeah. But I love I love the fact that the Shakhtar Donetsk president said, "I'm going to give 25 million pounds of this transfer to the Ukrainian people, to the to the the people." Yeah, that's awesome. Resisting uh, the Russian forces, which I think that played a role into the bargain because they knew, hey, we're going to give X amount to to our country, which is um, which is incredible. But I think for Christian. It's a sign when they're continuing to buy wingers. They're continuing to buy players that play his position. As we've said, Chelsea's not a club that's going to wait for you to develop. You get your chance. You get your opportunity. You you succeed. Great. And you're consistent. Awesome. But they're always going to bring in players. They're always going to bring in top quality players for competition. And you, you just have to rise above it. But in Christian's case, he hasn't. He's shown glimpses. He has shown that he can, when he's at his best, he deserves to be on the pitch as a starter. But it hasn't been consistent, and injuries have played a big role in it. So now you have, yes, uh, you have Modric, uh, you have um, Nkuku coming in, and you, you just got Zhao Felix. I mean, on top of Mason Mount, on top of <laughs> some of these players. I forgot about Zhao Felix. Raheem Sterling. Like, yeah. I mean, you, you, you have a, a number of wingers. Like I said, I think the writing's on the wall. And he needs a fresh start. It is yeah. funny that um, Joe Felix was sent off in that first game. And they said it's going to cost the club two million pounds uh, for his three-game suspension uh, to cover his wage and whatever fee uh, for being sent off in his first game at uh, Chelsea. But yeah, I, I agree with with Charlie. It's just it's it's. I, I I think that's the natural evolution. I think it'd be selfish for us to think this has anything to do with Christian Pulisic, other than the fact that they're going to continue to sign. They have a new owner. They're going to spend money, right? I think you can yeah. have the best team in place right now, and they're going to still go out and try to bolster that and create competition in those positions. I just think it just furthers the conversation of um of or furthers the argument that perhaps he should be going somewhere else. They don't want to move him um, for obvious reasons because they don't have to. They don't need to. Selfishly, Chelsea can keep uh, Christian Pulisic forever. I, I look at this. You're Manchester City. You buy Riyad Morris, and he's a perfect example. Riyad Morris was incredible at Leicester City, arguably player of the season. He has to go against some of these signings that they bring in constantly, and he's he's kind of on the fringes. You think, oh, he made a move just for money, and he's never going to play. But he continues as of late to play because he shows his quality. He keeps playing over all these players. Jack Grealish, 100 million pounds they bought him for, doesn't play as much because Riyad Mahrez is a staple. And that just shows you when you play at this level with clubs who are, who are trying to win trophies consistently, the, the players are always going to continue to come in. And it comes down to that, whoever the player is, your, your grit, your, your dedication to staying healthy, your dedication to uh, – the quality on the pitch and showing it and, and bring coming up with results. And I think Christian has shown it, but not enough. And we just have to say, you know what, Christian, I think it's going to be better for you to go and go to a different club, maybe take one step back to take two steps forward. So it's all about just going into the right place. Who's going to give him that support. Who's go, who, where he's going to get the opportunity to play through the ups and downs. Yeah. Christian or normally say Graham Potter actually came out and said they had no plans of selling Christian. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know how he manages all these people. I mean, mm -hmm. I, he just keeps getting more and more signings. What do you even do if you're Grand Potter? They only have one win in their last five. Got 
pretty fortunate. Well, I don't know fortunate, but they, they beat Crystal Palace this weekend 1-0. They needed well, I think that come win. summer, by the way, Jimmy, then that conversation will change. But right now in the winter, like, what's the point of selling him? You're not going to get the value. Nobody's got the budget to buy him. You're right. bringing in players on loan. You need everything that you can get because even if you can get five games out of him at high quality, you'll, you'll take it. Summertime comes, the window opens, teams have full budgets, players are out of contracts, their budgets open up again. And then that conversation can change where you can say, well, yeah, I always had plans for him, but now we find ourselves in a tough situation where we we don't have room for him anymore. Mm-hmm, we got to move mm-hmm. him, you know. It's an easier story. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out, and obviously we'll have our eyes tuned into that. Now let's move on to another player, Tyler Adams, who continues to perform well for Leeds. Uh, they lost 2-1 to Aston Villa this past weekend. Brendan Aronson still struggling a little bit. I don't know if you guys want to discuss that. We've already discussed it before. It's just going to take some time, I think, for him to kind of regain that confidence and get locked in. I think he might be pushing, trying too hard with regard to that. But as it pertains to Tyler Adams, he just got named as the U.S. Male Player of the Year in 2022. He earned 71% of the overall votes, followed by Christian Pulisic, who got second on 14%, and Matt Turner, who finished on 8%. Are Are you guys, Chuck, I'll come to you. You okay with that? Top three, I think, Adams was my choice, easy choice there. It looked like he was the easy choice for a lot of people. He played more minutes for the U.S. than anybody else in 2022. Yes, and if you had to say two and three in your mind, who is two and three for you? I don't know. I, I wasn't ready for that. I'd say Matt Turner definitely is at the top. <laughs> That's why I asked. Yeah. Um, I no, still Matt, three. Matt, he's still three down for me, but I'm. Yeah, I was gonna say. Matt, yeah. He's, he's three down. He's not even in the start. He's yeah, still. Like hey, right hey, listen, Charlie. You you can be Amazon, and and sometimes that stock's got to come down a little bit, you know, for it to go back up, you know. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, Tyler for me is very clear cut. Is is Matt Turner two or three for you? If you, have I'd it. probably put Matt Turner three. Um, then you have Christian Musa McKinney. I'm you saying throw, you throw I, Anthony, say, Anthony Robinson in there, maybe. I I not not top three for me. No. I'd say Musa in there as uh, I mean I'd say Matt Turner's too. Uh, oh, that's hard though. Um, I, I like yeah Musa. Musa's probably in there. Those are my three though. Oh, better than Pulisic yeah. or like above Pulisic. And just like just like the fans that ran into Jimmy, I think they're all equal. You know, they're all <laughs> they're all tied at number one. Because you you have to you have to, you have to you have to take the years work in in into right. consideration. Right. So calendar year. I see people. I, pe- I see people year. saying Reem, Reem, Reem. Yeah, Reem in the World Cup for sure would be top three. But we're, we're talking, talking all twenty twenty two. Yes. Yeah. And there and and unfortunately he was not involved at all. <laughs> Well, you know, yeah. But he's exactly. involved when it mattered. He's involved when it mattered. He deserves an and, honorable uh, And he got his team up to the Premier League. Yeah. Um, and they're currently, and what, the, sixth or seventh and right now? And he's, and he's done well, yeah. Um, he's done well. As long but as they lose anyway, to Newcastle, huh, Jimmy? What's that? As long as they lose to Newcastle, you're happy. Well, yeah, I'm happy. Yes. I'm happy. <laughs> oil, money's, oil money's nice. I'm not going to lie. All right, so let's move on to Weston McKinney. Let's go over to Italy. He was on the wrong side of a 5-1 scoreline. In Juve's 5-1 loss to now. There's a big one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know he took some criticism for one of the goals where maybe he didn't track the runner into the box. Obviously, anytime we have our Americans, let's just bring it back a little bit. Anytime we have any of our Americans in a- anywhere they're playing, playing in big games, games of this magnitude, it's only going to make them better. Down the line, they're going to learn from that, gain some experience, win or lose. And uh, hopefully he's going to learn something from this because they got their asses slapped. Oh, Jack. he going to learn today. No, he's going to learn today. Hey, I will say this, though, guys. I don't believe Weston McKinney was subbed out in that game, was he? he Everyone was around not. him. Everyone around him got that got that yank. Yeah, that's That stuck out to me. Yeah. Like, okay. He's not Leave to blame. Yeah. He's, not, he's yeah. not the reason they suck. Yeah. <laughs> they, or Maxi Allegri just wanted him to really, really suffer because yeah. uh, anytime yeah. you're in those types of games. <laughs> What's interesting is that they played a, a 3-5-2. McKinney was a little bit more centrally located, whereas before we'd seen him playing out wide. And then he got Chiesa a little bit higher. I think he did dip a little bit out wide, but we saw him kind of a little bit all over the place and had a little bit more room to float around. Uh, just wasn't enough. They just weren't up for it on the day and and to what Patrick said, he didn't play well, but no one played well at Juve. So just get in line. Everyone was awful. Napoli were fantastic. So let's move on to uh, the next player. I want to talk about Daryl DK scores again for West Brom as our resident number nine, Chuck. I want to get your thoughts mm-hmm. because when Daryl DK is healthy and confident, he could be our best nine in, in our, in our pool. He could be, he's a different, I don't know. What do you think? I, I don't think 
he'd okay. be our best best nine. Um, it, it's similar to Brendan Vasquez. You say, you know, you could say he's scoring goals, he's doing this, he's doing that. Is he our best nine? No, but I think they need to get to that level. In order to get to that level, they need call-ups and they need to have that experience. And I think a player like Daryl DK, we saw his deficiency playing with the U.S. team was his first touch and, and playing in tight spaces and how quick the game is. You can get away with that those things in the championship for the most part. Mm-hmm. Not not internationally, and especially not against World Cup caliber, knockout caliber opponents. That's, that's just not going to happen. So he needs to improve in the way that he, he keeps the ball. And he doesn't have to be the best dribbler. But what I do love about him is upside is his intelligent runs, the, the runs he makes in the box, near post, he, hard near post runs. He's he's now maturing in his, his finishing, different ways of finishing with his head, with his feet. He has a great shot. And I think he's he's switching up with his finishing, not just trying to drive the ball in power. Sometimes he's he's using place placement. So he has a lot of potential. So I'm excited about his potential. And I've seen him grow from the college game, but nowhere – near is he he's nowhere near ready to say hey here's the nine you know especially above players who have already shown a little bit more sure ricardo pepe josh Sargent. not that the dk couldn't get there but he's going to need more time and more opportunities to get there what one thing that i will say about his game and i've liked it since the moment he came in into the national Mm -hmm. team I, i was actually critical of it in a lot of ways but at the same time the more you see him develop the more i like uh uh, what it is that he has is his selfishness. Mm-hmm. That man, when he gets the ball, he's got very few things on his mind. And generally, idea number one is I'm going to get into a position and try to score a goal. When he gets, the, like, when you saw his first caps with the national team, he was desperate to get in and around the goal, to just go straight down. Now, again, you we better, know that you, doesn't you work. You better be because that's the only way you're going to get another call up. But, as but, a striker, but my, really. my point being is that we have a lot of players that aren't as ruthless and that aren't as selfish. How many times do we play with strikers where you, where you scream because they shoot every time they get the ball, they want the ball, they put their head up, they put their head down and they shoot. And maybe it's the right time. Maybe it's not, but you can't teach that. Hey, name names. If you just want to say Charlie, say Charlie. Heath. I was not, I was not that guy. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, Clint, guy. Clint, Clint used to just, if he could, if he could get any part of his peripheral yeah. on the goal, yeah. he was going to yeah. let it rip. Right. And there might be a better option out there, but you knew that there was a value in that selfishness because you know the flip side of some strikers is that they're looking to lay it off or they're looking to bring people in around them and around the goal mm-hmm. that selfishness that daryl dk has i think is a huge strength especially when he's when he's in form and as he continues to develop as a player and he is only 22 now to say about the terms of being selfish i think that we had a system in place that was implemented by greg berhalter that looked more for combination play and I wonder if that worked against Daryl DK. I know he was hurt uh, during most of his opportunities, let's say, to to make an impact into the national team under Greg. But but it felt like, and I think he can hold up the, the ball, but it just felt like there was a little bit more of something different. That said, Ricardo Pepe didn't get called into the World hey, Cup. All I got to say, JB Davies over here, 16, my brother, Justin. Yeah, his hold-up play is better than most our nines. But how many of our nines have shown that they they're capable of hold-up play? At the the best, the highest level. I mean, that's that's a given. Great, but we need we need our knights to do much more than just hold up the ball. So I mean, it, it's it's one of those things where you look at a player's positives and negatives, and and what's the balance, right? Because if you're super strong in an area, if it's if it's by far above anyone else, then you say, okay, guy's got pace. He stretches back lines, but now. How effective are his runs? How mm-hmm. good is he uh, is a, uh, as a finisher? Because we're when we were talking about Timothy Weah, who's now playing left back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I was going to bring that up. He, he's, played, he's, played right back, he's played right wing back. He's played right midfielder, right wing, striker. Now left back. The guy's played mm-hmm. all over the place, and he's playing well. So, right, uh, right. you know, you're, you're trying to weigh where are you going to get the most out of a player? And it seems like Timothy Weah can adjust and play in, in, in any system, in any role. So why why not the nine? Yeah, it's really, really crazy to hear or to see uh, Timothy Weah playing left back for Lille. They won 5-1 against 12 this past weekend. That has Eric Palmer-Brown, who didn't look good. The whole team didn't look good. Kind of Juve-esque against Napoli. 
It just wasn't a good performance from everybody mm-hmm. across the board. But Timoway did end up setting up, I think, the third or fourth goal where he comes and cuts in from the left side on his right foot and hits a blistering shot. The goalkeeper can't handle it. They followed up and score. And so, yeah, I do think he was pretty impactful, and it's been fun to see him get minutes. It feels like the coach might not put him in his best spot, but clearly values him and getting him on the – like, we need Timo Weah on the field because he's going to make a difference for us. And so, yeah, that's kind of crazy to see him at left back. Now, another player that played out of position, Heath, I'll come to you on this one, we'll stay in the championship, was Josh Sargent under American manager, German-American manager David Wagner. And they beat Preston 4-0. They're currently in seventh, one or two points away or one spot away from the playoff pitcher for the championship. They won 4-0. He played pretty well, but he was deployed a little bit more out wide, which is a bit of a shame because we want to see him higher up the field and, and more centrally located. But at playing time's playing time, right? Yeah, I think it's important. And of course, I think it's a great statement uh, when it, when a coach comes out and says, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a nine. And, and I think that, one is a signal of intent of where we're going. Now you can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater and just decide we're gonna we're gonna risk it all to fix some of these things immediately when we're we are kind of flirting with the ability of getting into a playoff spot. And I think that's priority number one, right? That's for his job. That's for all those jobs. And they're not cu- approaching everything with a with a, a sexy, beautiful style, right? They're 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 grinding out results too. And so having somebody that you know that you can put into a position and trust still, maybe it's not ideal. But like you said, playing time is playing time. And I think, again, that com- those comments that, that, that Wagner made, I think, is a sign or a signal of intent for the future for Josh Sargent. At least makes him, allows them to go out on the field knowing that, like, what am I doing this for? It, it's probably going to pay off in, in, in some way, shape, or form in the future. All right. Well, I'm going to give you, Chuck, I'll come to you, just kind of a list of what some other the Americans did this past weekend. You can dive into whoever you want. And then we're going to finish with uh, some Eunice Musa transfer talk. Obviously, this oh, is the transfer window here in January. But we had a Ricardo Pepe and his team, Groningen, losing to Feyenoord 3-0. Obviously, a big opportunity for him to you know, cause some havoc, wreak some damage, wreak some havoc, cause some damage. Yeah, I got that right. Uh, against one of the top clubs in, in Holland, it didn't work out for him. Uh, we already mentioned Timo Weah. Gio Reyna played well and continues to play pretty well in Dortmund's friendly against Basel. The Bundesliga is starting up this upcoming weekend or very soon and uh, very curious to see how he's going to respond, especially mm-hmm. more with more eyes on him than probably ever before. Luca De La Torre played the second half in... Uh, Celta Vigo's 2-2 draw with Villarreal. And then in Scotland, we had Cameron Carter-Vickers beat Kilmarnock in the Scottish Cup semifinals 2-0. Ian Harks scored for Dundee United. He's out of contract this season. There's some rumors he'll be coming back to MLS. This is John Harks' son. And DC United being one of the destinations. Then Malik Tillman started for Rangers and got subbed off. Is there anybody that stands out for you? Somebody I missed, Charlie Davies. I I just think Luca De La Torre and... I also don't put too much sp- uh, stock into these friendlies, but Luca Del Torre looked like he was active and getting on the ball and, and his teammates were trusting him. So hopefully 2023 is better for him in his club situation. But I'm really looking forward to seeing how Gio Reyna bounces back from this World Cup because if I'm him, I am playing with a vengeance. I am I am going to be ruthless. I'm going to show everybody I'm, I'm going to move on from the situation and be better for it. Now, I want to say very quickly about the Geo thing because I had a friend say this to me and I can't get it out of my head, Heath. Mm-hmm. And it's about Sebastian Kiel, who is the sporting director for Borussia Dortmund and how when this news was dropping about an attitude around or bad attitude around Gio Reyna, he immediately came out and said, absolutely not. Uh, that's Why? not true. Of course, of course he'd say that. Well, that's a, what I'm an saying. Asset. Right, it's an asset. Even, and, even and, if he was horrible. Oh, but, but, even but, if he's the worst person, he's going to say, he's a he's he's the, the nicest, right, right. kindest, just, sweetest it, person. Because how much money do you lose if you're trying to move Gio? Probably yeah. just, what, 10, 15 million? If you're like, you know what, he is he is kind of a jerk. We don't really like I mean, I know he would never say that. I just I think it's funny how quickly he came out and defended that. And yeah. once somebody told me that, I was like, oh, to your point, Chuck, I was like, yeah, why wouldn't he say that? And and now it makes me question the timing of it and everything else. I don't know. But this Gio Reyna thing is really important for him to, to get out on the right foot, be positive, play with a smile, which is when we know he plays his best anyway. Any comments on Gio? Yeah, I mean, what I will say also is that just because he's got what I think are attitude issues at times – 
doesn't mean that he is a problem necessarily. And in your club environment, it's every single day is going to be different, right? You'd have to ask the players of what his attitude is like. And I will say that we've all been in situations where we've had to play in games and 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 you don't want to play in them, right? Or you're having to train on a day you don't want to train. Like you're, uh, Your mindset can be affected to where your body language is visible and you're trying to make a statement or show something, right? But either either like consciously or subconsciously. And so I've seen that. I haven't seen that a ton with, with, with Dortmund at times. I've seen him flail his arms around and stuff, but we see every player do that at times. With the national team, though, I've seen his body language be different more often. And that could be a frustration of 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 his own play, the style of play, the his role. That could be a number of things that are very different than the Gio Reyna, who is is a star for Borussia Dortmund, right? Um, when he's when he's healthy, and so then you add that to the injuries and all those types of things. So I, even even then, maybe he's speaking truthfully about it, maybe he's not. But like you said, there's still going to be some protection of your player because he's young. But to go back to the to, to what you originally asked about Gio Reyna playing well in that in that friendly, I I'm most excited because again. Giorena's attitude issues or or what he was doing and was addressed. We moved on from it. And he's a huge, huge uh, part of the future of the national team. The rest of that wasn't his doing, right? The rest of that was his family's doing. The rest of that was 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 our doing to bringing that and discussing it all the time. I want to see him to be able to move on, move on from that and prove himself in a lot of ways. So I'm I'm just excited to see him doing well and hopefully in a protected environment where they can nurture and nurture him and help him not just get back to the player that he was. Um, but also kind of grow as a person alongside that to make him a better, more complete player in the future. Yeah, Borussia Dortmund kicks off this weekend after the winter break on Sunday. They take on Augsburg. Very curious to see if Gio will get the start. Looks like he's been pretty sharp so far in their little middle of the season, preseason, as it were. The whole league starts. Pretty good game on Friday. RB Leipzig taking on Bayern Munich. So that's a very good game. Borussia Dortmund currently in sixth. They are nine points behind Bayern at the top and only five behind Freiburg, who are in second. So they lost two games going into the window to Wolfsburg and Mönchengladbach accordingly. So they need to get after it and get it going. Well, obviously very curious to see Joe Scally as well. I don't know if you guys saw that stat over the weekend where in the Bundesliga, he's only behind Jude Bellingham for the most minutes for a teenager in the Bundesliga. So very curious to see him continue that good form. And then I do want to make a correction in the Celta Vigo Villarreal game is 1-1, and actually Villarreal was up 1-0. Luca De La Torre came on at halftime, and he wasn't involved in the goal per se, but he helped make a difference to get the 1-1 result. I just wanted to correct that. So let's talk Yunus Musa. Let's finish the show wait, on Yunus wait, Musa. Wait, before, before Yunus Musa, you were talking about just being unhappy, Heath. It, mm-hmm. it just brought up one of the most humbling moments you can have as a professional player <clears> is <throat> when you play a game and – you're upset you're not starting in the first place. You play a game, you get subbed in, let's say for 10, 15 minutes. The game's over, and the fitness coach comes onto the pitch. It <laughs> <laughs> goes, all the subs who hadn't played, and then your your 15-minute butt get get to the mid midfield line and you're yeah. just doing sprints. Yeah. Doing rides, baby. Yeah. Stride. Oh, all day. Long. And while everyone else gets in, stretches or whatever, and then the next day. It's a cool down for all the players who play. And then it's a hard ass training for all <laughs> the bench players, the reserves. And some of the wildest tackles happen in those sessions. Oh, oh man. Everybody yeah, the starter yeah, and, and the starters just did their 30 minutes of jogging and stretching. And now they're stretching or they're, they're sitting around and they're watching this this training. And you know, they're they're having these conversations and you're just sitting there like the that, yeah, that's, no, no, that's oh, those, that those are those, those are the ones that really hurt. Yeah, yeah, those hurt, and that's why it's interesting Ooh. when you coach how you manage that because you obviously want to foster competition, but there is a bit of a first team vibe. Hey, I'm a first teamer, and then everybody I, else. I got one. I got one more for you guys. Oh wait, before you, and then yeah. on top of that training, when the head coach goes in inside. <clears throat> Oh, player. doesn't he stops uh, watching? Yeah, oh, that worst, one is the killer because you're like, no matter what I do, yeah, it's not it it's, matter. It, it does not matter. <laughs> my oh. my last my last year before I I retired and and uh, joined uh, Jim Conrad on 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 Kick TV, <laughs> I went to Gothenburg. I was playing unbelievably well. I was playing a center back. Got uh, food poisoning after our cup semifinal. End up in the cup final, Charlie, as you know, in Sweden, you play like the cup and then you start the league and you play the cup final in like May after. Um, and I played really well. I get sick, 
team, I come back like just complete, like really sick. And the team comes back and they go on this 14 game unbeaten run till the winter break, right? Like top of the league by most, like end up like 10 points, top of the league, clear out and out favorite to win the league. And everyone's playing out of their mind. And I can't get a sniff at this point. And the cycle got so bad of having to do those sessions that I'm now getting sent to play in reserve games and reserve games in Sweden are not like I'm oh. playing with like 16 year olds, you know? Yeah. And, and like playing and you're, like, and you're how old at this point? Like twice I'm, their age. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. At least <laughs> twice. Some of their days I'm, I'm, I'm in my thirties at this point. And, and like, I'm just trying to get back on the cycle to train with the team so I can like do well and whatever. And now I'm like playing on a, going with the team on a, on a Sunday match. The team is off on Monday. But Tuesday, I'm playing in the reserve game. So Wednesday, I have a recovery. Thursday, I'm back with the team. I'm like, yo, what am I doing? And that was literally, <laughs> I opened my eyes and I was like, yo, I, I can't, there's nothing I can do to improve the situation. The team's not losing. I'm not getting into that. I'm training, with, like I'm playing in games that are so far off the schedule that like the double day I'm missing or the intense training where like you can compete, I'm not getting any of that stuff. So I, just, I run into my teammates in the gym and I'm like, yo, th- I'm done. This is it for me. Like I can't. I don't want to, I, I'm just at this point physically and mentally that I like, I was just completely defeated. And I was like, what, what's I, what am I doing? What am well, I doing? Other you, than- you, you talked to the coach and what do you say? Yeah. He was just like, look, you got to wait, wait your chance. And I was like, yo, I'm, I'm in my thirties. I'm not here to, I'm not, I didn't come to this. I came to this club specifically day. I signed with the club. I've talked to Jurgen Klinsmann. I'm like, yeah, I'm going back to Europe. I want to, I want this to be a stepping stone to another club. And he's like, okay, I'll put you back on the radar of things and I'll be watching you and I'll try to help you with the move. So the whole idea was like, literally play a season and get on, get on my way. And uh, it all just came crashing down. Coach was like saying whatever he had to say, whenever he had to just say, to get it, you so out like, of the room. <laughs> yeah. Just get me out of the room. I was getting yoked in the gym. I was like, Moadu size, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm mean, out of my t-shirt. That's too you know? big. Yeah, <laughs> it was too big. big. Yeah. But what else yeah. was I going to do? You're like SpongeBob SquarePants, like yeah. top heavy with little yeah. tiny yeah. legs. Exactly. I love that. All right, let's finish on Yudis Musa. Fabrizio Romano, our very own, is reporting interest from Inter Milan, Arsenal, and, of course, Chelsea for Yunus Musa. Do you want him to stay, Chuck, at Valencia and continue to make sure he gets valuable minutes in a competitive and very good league, of course? Or do you feel like he should go try to take that step at a bigger club, knowing that he's going to have to compete for that position and might have to fall into that cycle that Heath is talking about and you had been talking about? I think in the summer... He, if if the right club comes and the situation is there, he makes the move. I, I I think that would be best for him if he gets to go to a club. If if Valencia aren't going to be in Europe, that he goes to a club that will be in Europe, and he's going to get a a you know get on a a club where he's in a in a better, I guess, a better opportunity to to challenge himself. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I think, like that. Yeah. Go ahead, Heath. Go ahead. No, my my thoughts are the same. Like eventually we have to not be afraid to throw these guys into really, really tough environments if they're as good as we think they are. Having said that, I also don't like when we have a good six months and now these players are on the move to this giant leap, right? We see that with Sergio Des. Like there was, Sergio Des could have spent another two years at Ajax because he'd spent one season at Ajax before making the big jump. Now he still played a decent amount of games at, at, at Barcelona, and but now he's his next move from Barcelona is to Milan where he's going to get some decent minutes as a young player but there was probably a giant gap between those where he could have been getting consistent minutes for one or two years. Value stays high, still part of like the hype train. And I'd love to see that with Yunus Musa. Not, but again, it's hard, it's going to be hard to say no if the if the offer's right and the team is right. But um, I would love to see him at least complete this season. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think a summer move would make a lot more sense. I want to see him, and I think this is kind of how I feel about all the Americans. I would just want them to go somewhere where they're wanted, that they that they're looked at as a part of the future. And part of a, an important building block for whatever that particular coach or that club is trying to build and not just another asset, just because we want some more talent out there without a real plan of how he can grow within the club. And even if he has to fight for it, there's still a plan in place to make sure that he can take those steps if he starts to compete <clears throat> and, and outplay. When I look at Inter, OK, you got Brosovic, obviously very experienced uh, Croatian international. You got... Um, Barella, who I really like, who's one of the top young players in Italy. It's just tough, right? And then Chelsea, obviously, that's always going to be competitive. Arsenal is interesting as well, but would he play? You know, it's interesting. So it's a big conversation to have. Obviously, he's got to be thrilled to be linked to such clubs, but uh, I'm with you guys. I think you got to wait until the summer and not do anything hasty here in January just because it might look 
nice and fun. All right, everybody, that is it. Soccer Week Trust for this week. So on behalf of producer Dez, producer Alex, Charlie Chuck Wagon, Davies, Hollywood Heat, Pierce, I'm Jimmy Conrad, and we're excited for your support. As always, we'll be coming back to you on Thursday. Unless something big happens, we'll have an emergency podcast. We'll always be able to look up for that. Turn on your notifications. Roster? <laughs> or a roster. I don't know. Give us anything. We, gotta, we take anything at this point. We take a roster. We'll take whatever. But uh, definitely excited to see how the Seattle Sounders do in the FIFA Club World Cup and yes. uh, get this roster, see what these friendlies look like, see if any players emerge as potential talents in a viable way for the full team. And it should be a great week as always. So we hope you have a great week and thank you for your support. And we will see you on Thursday. Later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.